0: So um my background is over 20 years in technology space project management. And one day I started a podcast and the next day I started working in a think tank. Literally it was, you know, it was a couple of weeks between the two events. Um and so I started working in this think tank and it was called the Warren Center for Advanced Engineering, and it was all about promoting engineering out to Uh, wider audiences of uh, political university uh, so university academic and industry bringing them all together and that's what the Warren Centre's mission was and around A few months into my role there, we won a tender to hold the Humanitarian Innovation Awards because we wanted to focus on university students and empowering them in their understanding that their degree is more than just a piece of paper or is just a job at the end of the day. Their degree can actually help people. And so, we won this tender from uh, another think tank that was finishing up called ASIC, which I cannot remember the acronym for, but uh, what it stood for, but it was was a very humanitarian focused company or think tank or uh, not-for-profit. And so, the Humanitarian Innovation Awards were born, and this was in 2019, and there's two competitions. The first one is a pitch competition, but the second one, which is really i find one of the most exciting pieces is the humanitarian innovation awards and it's all about promoting university encouraging university students to use their degree for innovation and um, humanitarian issues so that's how i got into it so uh you know it's a long tale, but i just love seeing students realizing the potential of their their uh, learnings
1: that's really interesting i think you're the first person i've spoken to at, that has come at it from that angle usually, oh, right. usually i'm speaking to smaller community organizers university organizers and i've spoken to many high school organizers students i've spoken to corporates i've spoken to a uh, kind of quasi government type Organizers, but I I I am seeing, and I do think there's a huge market on the think tank space. And because Mm, absolutely, what I what I personally saw is I looked at some think tanks, and I'm like, they're kind of already doing this, but it's branded a little bit differently. So, can you talk more about the think tank space and how it works with tenders to do these these kind of events? And also, how do these awards, these award programs work?
0: Yeah, so the Think Tank space, uh, it, it was, it's a really exciting. I don't have, I didn't have a huge amount of experience in the Think Tank space until I actually got this role. And it was a real eye-opener in that uh, we, we were, we were, closely attached to the University of Sydney, uh, and uh, but we were quite independent at the time. Right now, that's changed a little bit in that the university, we're now under the Faculty of Engineering within the university, but we're still quite uh, unique in that we do cover it off. But the think tanks can tap dance between a lot of lines and by being able to do that, uh, the, the beauty of the Warren Centre was that it was actually bringing together industry, academics and government. And that's what the think tank was all about. And that's what a lot of think tanks are about, is cre- generating knowledge to inspire and guide those areas of, this, of society. And so by having hackathons in that space, you could actually pull out a lot of key information and, uh, influential ideas to do that. So, um, yeah, definitely it was, um, it, it was a very powerful position to kick off this hackathon.
1: Yeah. What are the greatest challenges that you've encountered, I would imagine they'll be very different to what I usually hear. What I usually hear with community focus is related to funding. Or what I usually Mm. hear related to the more startup ecosystems is related to what do people do after the hackathon? Because usually they want to, especially if they run a prize, they want to turn it into a startup, but the hackathon doesn't provide that structure or most hackathons. What are the greatest challenges that you've encountered in the space, in the hackathon space that you're in?
0: Oh, so well we are lucky in that we did get the funding to to run this uh and uh, it's not infinite funding unfortunately but we do hope to uh entice some sponsors to the cause over the years and help with that uh but you know from a an organization perspective yes that that is always a concern and i try to run the the hackathon to budget in that respect but there is the 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 beauty of this hackathon is we are encouraging students who have never have or have just skimmed the surface of ideas so they're when uh, we have got stories of people who have come up with these ideas during the hackathon and they actually do uh, they continue this the idea through the university degree so their honors side of things and uh we've got students who are doing it for their third year or fourth year um, thesis or or things like that so they're actually going that but from a challenge perspective really we i feel like we're still very early days and our biggest challenge is really getting students on board. And we do run a little bit differently to hackathons in that we put them into the teams. So we do have a lot of dropout rates uh, with our students. So they're all like, yes, yes, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, excellent, this is the weekend. And we put aside 200 spots for people and Maybe 150 shops. So it's a huge attrition rate there, uh, in my opinion. And it's, you know, there's so much logistics going on in the background that to have so many students drop out, that is, that's massive. So we're all constantly learning. And this year we're doing things a little bit differently to, to mitigate that, that risk. But yeah, that from a logistical background, that is one of the biggest issues, um, is that attrition. <laughs> from the university students out of the uh, hackathon. They, they kind of don't realise what they're signing up to until we start pushing them.
1: <laughs> it's, there's, there's two questions that immediately come to my mind. The first is about team formation. And I've seen that mm. done so many different ways. And my belief is also that that imp- impacts the output of the solutions. Some hackathon organisers have allowed people to pitch their ideas and allowed teams to form organically. Some have deliberately paired people together for whatever reason and others just let people just do whatever they want. (laughs) Why specifically, what What is the decisions behind creating specific teams? So,
0: So, the first year we held the hackathon in 2019. So, the timing is important in this respect. And we want it to be an um, Australian-wide all-university hackathon. So, I was conscious that somebody from – I'm going to throw out some university names here but uh, that your global audience might not recognize, but someone from Sydney Uni – might want to sign up, but they don't have any friends. They might be in the Faculty of Engineering or the Faculty of uh, Media or any of those different areas. And then somebody from ANU might want to come in, and then UDWA, they want to come, in. and they might come in individually. They might be inspired by the hackathon to by the humanitarian aspect of this hackathon, and they may not have a team around them. And being an intern, uh, you know, Australia-wide hackathon. I was worried that students would show up and not be able to connect. And the first year we did it was in person and um, it it worked okay. We did a bit of a a meet and greet session before the hackathon started and we had these massive name tags where you go, you know, what's my favorite, you know, one-liner or, yeah, these kind of networking slogan things to help people break the ice. And some teams came together and I felt it was really uncontrolled in a way or quite hit and miss. And people who came with other people would sort of stick together. And then you'd have these random one, you know, loners. And it just wasn't, it wasn't nice. I didn't feel like it was a nice company experience. So it added a layer of stress to everything in in my opinion. And then, so that was 2019, and it was a lesson learned in that I was like, I would, and I said to my advisory board, I would really like to consider putting, uh, creating the teams because another element on top of that is we we partnered with Red R for this, and Red R are a global organisation that go out and help in humanitarian issues, and they started off with an, as an engineering register, but now they they cover a whole brand of helpers. But the concept of being a a real life humanitarian is you get a phone call on Monday and you're on a plane on Tuesday going to a refugee camp and you have to acclimatize and connect with whoever's there and do your job to the best of your ability to help a community. You don't go over with four of your friends to solve these problems. So I really wanted to build this idea that, Hey, you're, you're, you're on your own, but you're going to have a team of support there with you. And so the second year really played into my, (laughs) my, the way I was trying to get everyone lined up with COVID because suddenly we had a lot of people who were, um, across Australia who wanted to participate, but they couldn't meet in real life. And so I said, Hey, let's, do kind of we did a questionnaire and then I just said we're matching you as a team and every team is going to be uh, geographically dispersed so we had people from Tasmania paired with people from Queensland and WA and things like that and they they had to manage that and so I was playing heavily on that concept that in real life humanitarians are a, a team that come together for a single cause to help others. And this year we're just gonna keep going and it worked really well. So um, you, you can't join, it. you have to join as an individual. We put a little bit of manpower in to actually get the teams across faculties, across, so we try not to have five engineers together in one team. We try to split the teams in that you'll have an engineer, you'll have a marketing, you'll have a business. Um, And then we also ask, you know, they self-identify. We don't do any sort of serious testing, but we ask them to self-identify self-identify as a leader or um, a a communicator, or um, I can't remember the other categories, but we kind of say, what's your first strength, your second strength. So, we try to put one leader in this team, and then we try to get a whole range of different degrees into one team. And we say, pick a problem. And, And we also ask them at the very beginning, uh, there's usually four themes of humanitarian crisis, and we sort of say pick your top theme. So the the individual will pick their theme, they'll pick their personality type, and they'll they'll indicate what their degree is. And based on those three metrics, my team will uh, create teams of humanitarian uh, humanitarian innovators, and they'll meet. I think uh, the last year we did they meet the day before or the day of the hackathon. This year we might pull it in a little bit further so that they have a time of um, meet and greet and stuff. But they meet essentially a couple of days before the hackathon, and they can start talking and getting to acquainted each other, and go from there. So that's kind of where the team formation came from.
1: I find that really interesting because it's, it's something I grapple with as someone who. Consults with hackathons because I see that directly impact the solutions. And someone like me that's experienced in hackathons, I and and I'm probably more at least in hackathons, I'm probably more extroverted. That I want, I come in with my idea, I want to pitch my idea. There might be people I want to work with, like we spoke about. Usually, people who attend hackathons, there's a group of people that. Consistently yes, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I, I might say to someone, you know, this hackathon's really interesting. Let's work together. And then if I get put in a team, it's, it's like it's it kind of me personally as a as a participant, it rubs me the wrong way. But as a consultant, as an organizer, I see the value in the different ways of doing it. How have yeah. how has so there's, there's two, there's I think there's two components here. How has that impacted the actual output of the solutions? And then how has that impacted the satisfaction of a team? For example, you so, can get a team mm-hmm. that's disfas- dissatisfied with each other, but their solution is really, really good. Or- We have you know, had, yeah, we, So oh, sorry to
0: cut off, but we have really had teams self-destruct. Yeah. Um, and break up. So it is one of those things where it probably is a, a huge risk. But at the end of the day, we want them. My guiding light with this is in real life, when you're going to a humanitarian crisis, yeah. you can't be that prima donna who goes, I know how to do this. You need to work with your team on it. And it, it does, you need to be malleable enough to adapt and uh, and work to the solution that's best fit. So unlike a lot of other hackathons, we actually don't tell them what the situation is. We tell them the theme and the themes are based on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And we tell them the situation a little bit. So we tell them That it might be a crisis in the Pacific Islands and um, it might be an education theme. So, UNSDG, I feel like, yeah, four, UNSDG four. And we give them a few pre reads around that, but they don't know what the situation is. They're going into this blind, a little bit, a little bit like a real humanitarian will. And they can't have a preconceived concept of what a solution is. And so we don't expect at the end of the day, at, well, at the end of the hackathon, we don't expect a fully-fledged working prototype. Uh, so in that respect, we have perhaps lowered our expectations. We're not asking for them to be uh, coding anything. We, we essentially want a pitch deck. Uh, at the end of the three days and if they can throw in a few graphics and technical specs and and maybe next steps then you know they'll get some big ticks in the boxes but we're not expecting a working prototype we know that they these are 18 year old students who have got a long way to go to a fully fledged idea so I think I'm quite happy with the way that we have adapted and some of the ideas that we've got, have just blown away the judges and, you know, are just amazing. And I think if they can learn to adapt to such an evolving team environment like that, then there is genius in that.
1: Do, and just on the point of, you mentioned about the judging is it doesn't sound like the goal is to produce working solutions. It's more like a exercise in the creative side of problem solving with our goal yeah
0: yeah so our guiding light in this is for the university student to realize at the end of their degree they have something to give to humanity that they have they can if they're getting a, a, a bachelor degree in engineering they don't need to go and build bridges in Sydney in the in the city they can go over and spend a, a year or two or however long volunteering to help other communities in a, a serious crisis situation that's the power of their degree and that goes across with marketing as well and economics and business school students like there is power in that degree that they are earning and they can really help a wider network than just in the city, they can go. They can go global with this, and really make a difference. And that's our guiding light. And if we don't get anything else out of this um, program, then that's all. That's all we need. I mean, it's, it's beautiful if somebody did. And as I said, there are students out there who are evolving their ideas throughout their university career. And there's students. There's actually participants that are coming back now as mentors because they saw the the power of this hackathon uh, in in what they're doing now. So it's, um, yeah, that's our guiding light. And if, if something does come out of it, we have the judges involved, we've got humanitarians involved, they will see a kernel of an idea and can pursue it further. Uh, and that's kind of how we, yeah, we, our, our goal isn't to actually change the world with a physical idea. Our our goal is to change people who will then cha- make the change to the world.
1: I think that's an amazing way to describe it. I think there's lots of hackathons that do that, but they don't describe it as deliberately as you described it. So they pitch it as, you know, come, you're going to make an app, you're going to make a website, you might get funding. When you actually speak to the organizers, the goal is not to go, get funding. The goal is to bring communities together to educate Uh and inspire people, but they use the funding and the, you know, you're gonna develop this app or website as a marketing tool, which is kind of, it's misaligned with actually what they're they're trying to do. And I, I love the way you've described it. Do you, do you, I think
0: being a you know, so I think being a humanitarian innovation, like there there is a serious lack of funding <laughs> in that space. So you can't really go into it with your eyes on the on the financial dollars. Yeah. Your eyes have to be firmly fixed at that that inner heart, you know, helping humanity side of things. Yeah.
1: Do you think that more programs are going to move this way? in terms of this applied education kind of methodology and also interdisciplinary oh that's a
0: okay but on the inside track of a being now that i am now that the warren center is within the faculty of engineering at sydney university um i can see that uh there is tricky times ahead to do that sort of thing and so the humanitarian innovation hackathon is a beautiful vehicle to encourage that because that's what you need in real life you need that skill to work across a variety different of people and uh you know just traditionally some universities can be just sort of see the faculty as this is where we are and that's why it's beautiful that it's coming from a think tank perspective in that it's all about the collaboration side of things and so that's what I'm bringing to this the, the, uh, the hackathon is that it's a across faculty thought, it's across universities. We're not um, against each other. We're, and if we can build relationships. So this year, the hackathon, we're actually making the first step to physically connecting with another university in that uh, we're doing a hybrid hackathon in that Sydney University is the hub. So that's where most of the activity is going, but we've, con- we've partnered with RMIT, which is in Melbourne. And they're going to also set up a site where Melbourne students who want to participate in the Hackathon from any university can come to RMIT. Just like any university in Sydney, student any student from any university in Sydney can come to University of Sydney during the Hackathon. So we're building a connection here between universities and we're, by having across faculty, we're building this connection, this collaboration, and we're actually really... That's what happens in real life. And that's yeah. what happens in a humanitarian situation is that you do have a variety of skills. And we're trying to replicate that across in this one experiment and or this one activity or this one event. And if that gets picked up, I am noticing a lot of situations across, I mainly only know the engineering faculty, but there is that real life application is so important to students to see their degrees in action, to see what they're learning. You know, first first year uni, first year of any uni, but especially engineering, it's, it's hard work because you're learning a lot of theory. You're not seeing it in practice. And we're saying to even first year students, come to this hackathon and see what the potential is of your degree. What? you know, you've got in store for you. So having that real world application of throughout your degree of assignments and, and projects and stuff is a really powerful tool. And I do think it is being picked up a lot across, uh, education.
1: The benefit of your hackathon is that it is not technology specific. So even though it's housed in engineering, which in academia can be in a problem in itself, that what you see in university-related hackathons is computer science hosting a hackathon, and 95, 97% of the participants are from computer science. So you don't see the business major or business students. You don't see marketing. You don't see the English student. You don't see any students from any other department. Oh, for some reason, my camera. Oh, there it is. My camera, yeah, I'm not sure what it's doing. Maybe it's telling me the battery. That's okay. but yeah, it's it's it's, it's one of the advantages of of your hackathon. Did you still experience challenges with academic silos?
0: Um, yes. Uh, in that, in you know, the, even when we were in the think tank, we were very marketing towards engineers, and now that we're in the Faculty of Engineering. Again, the engineers are are taking front and center, but we have an open door policy in that we don't just, uh, I've always said uh, to everyone, it's half event organization, but half marketing. The the success of this project, the success of this event comes down a lot to the marketing because we need to get that cross-faculty and because We're not asking them to code or we're not asking them to um, build anything at this stage. I want the ideas to come from anywhere. And a lot of people, when they think they look at our humanitarian hackathon, they forget the middle word is innovation. And innovation comes from all areas. And they might have a problem. One of the problems we might present to them is about, again, that education thing. And the key solution might be in the way it's communicated out. And a marketing person might be gun at this. they might kill it like they'll be awesome, and so they'll have this background. a business major might also have that component, but an engineering student who will be in part of it will have this technical element to it, and it's the coming together of this skill set that is so important in innovation that it it's key and and that's another reason why I like mixing up the teams or creating the teams is because students will come together and there might be four students from engineering and they'll have this idea and they've got this mindset but they may not see something that's just outside of their understanding because they don't have a clue about marketing or they don't have that clue about the business side of things that you just need that mixing pot of concepts and ideas to come together and that's what we're trying to do by mixing up the teams Um, As I said, one element is because in real life, humanitarians, that's what's happened. But secondly, is because when you get a diversity of thought, that's where the genius happens. And that's what we're trying to pull together with this mixed team concept.
1: So a little bit on the diversity of thought, something that I have recognised in hackathons all across the world as a whole, because they're so engineering focused and currently engineering is marketed to, to men, certain demographics mm. of men. There are some hackathons that try to completely, um, I guess, counteract that by targeting certain targeting women, non-binary or target, targeting certain demographics by directly marketing to them. It, it, what are your strategies for getting that diversity of four, not just in gender or ethnicity, but also skill level? That's something that I've seen really difficult at hackathons.
0: So the skill level, I'll answer that one separately, but the diversity, to start with, humani- the humanitarian space is a little bit spoiled in diversity. I've spoken to, uh, we've got this thing in Australia called Engineers Without Borders, and I've spoken to directors in that company, and they actually have no diversity issue from their engineers because it's 50-50 it's yeah you know, something like that it's 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 crazy diverse and it's because the humanitarian the practical side of humanitarian work so that thing where you go i want to help people and engineering will equal helping people that's it's so tangible and that's so attractive to all genders that it just naturally, well, it's not naturally, but it just, it does tend to lend itself to a, a more diverse population. So, from a humanitarian side of things, we tick that box. Um, from a marketing perspective, we do, we just, we don't target female only, we just target university students. And because there's that practical element of humanitarian uh, goals, then we just get a nice diverse level. Like, yes, it is a little heavy on the male, um, but I I think it's, uh, I can't remember the the stats off my head. And honestly, I have to say, I don't know if I've actually ever reported on the gender balance of um, our our hackathons, but there's there's always a mixed team. It may not always, there might be a team of four girls and one boy, or there might be a team of four boys and one girl. Like that's, Yeah, or there could be like (laughs) 50, 50 split in a way. So it's, it just from a marketing perspective, we just go for it Mm -hmm. and we don't target any particular gender. Um, and we let the universities itself, they worry about the gender, which is fine because engineering does need, I think in Australia, it's something like 13% uh, female. So, um, you know, that's, their intake needs to improve, but we're more going out to, it's like, well, if every single one of those females and most of those guys want to come along, then that's, that's the story that we're going to tell. And across the board, like every different faculty has their own different balance and by bringing it all together, we kind of balance it out in the end. Yeah.
1: And what, what what I find particularly interesting that I'm going to research more on is you take engineering about borders Say fifty fifty and if you take mm. if you take most engineering companies it's definitely not fifty no. <laughs> so, no. so the di is the difference the pipeline is the difference the cause driven the yeah. cause driven philosophy of engineering without borders uh, i don't I don't think that discussion has really been explored but it's it's interesting that you bring it up and I see it I see it over here when we do homelessness hackathons. The demographics are completely different. Yeah, it's
0: it's. I mean, I I have the beauty of having run an engineering podcast for three years, so I've spoken to hundreds of engineers, uh, and I, one of the key questions that I've asked is why are you an engineer? And a lot of the I'm not going to say all of them because pretty much almost every engineer I've spoken to they have a talent in science or maths or you know they have that. Uh, they've got a head on their shoulders essentially but some of the females have they've said that they got into engineering because they could see the real world connection they didn't care about building a bridge or building a building so more workers can get in there they cared about this the the heart behind it they could see that uh they were told the story that if they built this building a homeless family could move into this and, or um, I know once it's one engineer I spoke to stands out to me in that she, in high school, she went to a university down in Wollongong and they went through the humanitarian uh, engineering department and she saw that they were doing something about water and she could see the instant connection between engineering, water, water quality, helping uh, an an unfortunate situation. And she just made that excellent, uh, that connection when I'm doing engineering. Now she never actually went into humanitarian engineering at the end of the day, but she could see that connection and it is something that's happening nowadays in engineering. They're realizing that you don't just build a bridge, you join a, you link a community. So for, for some people building that bridge is all fun. But for other people to get attracted into the engineering community, it's actually the connection of the community that's the important story that engineers bring. And that is a big move that is happening in the engineering community that I've seen.
1: I, I'm i actually amazed by that. I think about and, and something I see that's really different to some of the I wouldn't say that humanitarian but some of the social calls so over the last year i've seen a lot mm. of climate hackathons obviously oh, I've yeah. seen covid related there's probably the top two that i've seen covid related and cli- climate hackathons microsoft facebook hosting them what i'm seeing from you in the messaging is is different it, it still seems i wouldn't say microsoft is in inoffen- a it's not authentic but it's it's different i'm not sure if that if that makes sense but i but i can't put my my finger on what exactly is different it just feels different do you have any idea in what you do to make it really authentic it's probably not deliberate but (laughs) yeah
0: well i i I, thank you for saying that um and i make saying that it is authentic or feels authentic and um i don't know i just it is i think i think it's because It's a hackathon that comes from the heart. And and to go back to what I said before, it's about the mission to inspire people on a further journey. It's not just solving a single problem at a time. It is actually helping to educate a whole generation of university students to do more. So I think that at the core might be a strength. Um, And there's also that whole concept of innovation. I always... um, yeah we're trying to teach students to a little bit in the design thinking as well. so we're being very strategic in that. and so we're not we're not putting a lot of student and we're not putting a lot of pressure on the students to create a physical solution over a weekend. We are what we want our people, students to actually have a mind shift mm-hmm. over that weekend. and I think that could be where there is a difference to what, as to what you've already said before is something um, we want the mind to change as opposed to uh, just create something over a weekend. Cause when you change your mind, you have this massive ripple effect.
1: I I would agree with that. And maybe that is what it is. You know, when maybe, maybe, maybe when, you'll mm-hmm. sleep on it
0: tonight and wake <laughs> up and go, Oh, there it is. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah,
1: Maybe, you know, especially with the climate hacks, you're not going to hack something over a weekend that's going to solve climate. Exactly. <laughs> you know, people- Oh, bloody hell, if you, if you did that, then <laughs>
0: I'll sign me up. I know a lot of people who would go to that hackathon. Yeah.
1: And and making it seem that way may be the inauthentic part. Making it seem yes. like you're going to solve racial injustice or edu- uh, water scarcity. By one simple hackathon, or even a couple simple hackathons, and a lot what what I've seen, and maybe what gravitates me to your particular hackathon and your cause is that I don't think these are technological issues. You know, AI am, AI is um, not going to solve this. Blockchain is not going to solve these. Are deep social infrastructural issues, and what you're doing in your hackathon is trying to empower people, like you said to think differently which has that ripple effect
0: exactly exactly yes and that's and that's at the heart of what this hackathon is about is that changing of people and uh, we we're being very careful of the way I structure thing as well structure the humanitarian hackathon or the humanitarian innovation hackathon is uh, you know we need we have a structure of mentors and they are very deliberate in that there's a level called the humanitarian mentor because in this situation you cannot and you should never create a solution in isolation without community support and i cannot fly 200 students to the pacific islands or to a refugee camp or anything like that i cannot physically get them on site to talk to the people so this humanitarian mentor is Pivotal, so our connection with Red R, we would not be able to do that without a connection to a strong humanitarian group because they're the voice of the people they're the voice of that community uh, and we are actually so you know we need to we we're training the our participants to understand you need to connect to connect to that community and then there's another layer of mentors which are the innovation mentors because I understand that these students are roughly between 18 and 21, 22, so they're undergrad students, and they may not have had that experience, that life experience to do design thinking. They may not have had that experience to think outside the box or how do, how do you work as a team to come up with these innovative ideas? So for Humanitarian Innovation Hackathon, it needs innovation. So we have an innovation mentor to help them come up with those solutions. So the way that we've structured it is all around that support and to gather those ideas and to train them to, to think in different and wider ways.
1: One thing that I've been fascinated with in hackathons that you kind of triggered in my head again is power distribution in teams. And Mm. so, especially with humanitarian, um, causes and you might be dealing with vulnerable communities, people that have been displaced, people that have gone through through trauma, through countries being devastated by war, all different kinds of situations. And when you put them in a team to solve problems, naturally the power isn't distributed equally. Because of just the position they're in personally, so how? And maybe this is not in the hackathon specifically. Maybe it's bigger, like problem solving in humanitarian causes. How does one resolve that, or do is there a way to resolve?
0: Yeah, that? so. I don't know if I mentioned, there's three layers of mentors that we provide these students. So the first one is the humanitarian and their role, as I said, is all about being the voice of the community to help and to hit anyone on the head who comes in thinking that they can solve a problem so easily. The second one is the innovation mentor who is helping them do design thinking and become innovative. The third one is I think is the most important and these are the, and so for this reason they work to two teams the others work to 3 to 5 team levels but this team mentor works with one or two teams directly and it's their role not only to keep the students on time and to to meet the deadlines but their role is to be that overseer of the team dynamics to help them uh, understand what's going on to help them coordinate all the personalities so that they can achieve the goal. So this team mentor that has that kind of agony art sort of things, it has they're, they're responsible for the personalities and bring that team together uh, while at the same time making sure that team meets deadlines. And uh, that team mentor is I couldn't do it without that level because they're the ones that do the checks on, you know, they check in on them. Uh, it saves me going to all these different teams. I just go to the team mentors. It's like, how's your team going? What's going on? And uh, they're the ones that help the power dynamic within those individual hackathon teams. And because they're all coming, none of them know each other until the hackathon, theoretically. Uh, admittedly, the winning team last year, coincidentally, cousin two cousins were on the same team they had different last names they're at different universities they're in different states and somehow they got on the same team but it was it was a beautiful thing anyway but you know the team mentor manages the dynamics within each team and uh yeah that that actually helps what you were saying that power side of things that team mentor also works with the other layers of mentors and helps coordinate how the team presents to a humanitarian um so the the teams aren't actually talking directly with individuals so they don't if they do something that is not politically correct or something the the humanitarian mentor will just you know guide that and um, and they'll hopefully learn that lesson. So when they do go out into a real life situation, they've learned that lesson. So there's uh, those mentors are key training for the children. They're, they're key ways that their teams can actually learn to deal with real life situations. Uh, and yeah, we, we could I've structured it that way because they're just, they're so focused the way that those three levels of mentors work that uh it's i find that's also another key to to the way we run the hackathon
1: i think that's why your hackathon's successful and that's why people gravitate to it you don't see that level of facilitation at many other hackathons so Mm. there isn't that maybe you have the organizer but they especially as hackathons scale when you have you have IBM that has their annual call for code. And I've had um, the CEO of Amnesty and International, David Clark, on the show. And they have 400,000 developers. You can't do that with 400,000 developers. No, jeez, <laughs> They have no. a lot of teams. Yes, they're trying to solve natural disasters all across the world. But that, that facilitation and managing the power dynamic cannot be done at scale. But also my worry is, and this is a part of the, as much as I love hackathons, this is where I find some trouble is that, can that be done in the real environment? For example, we, we mentioned the UN sustainable development goals, who manages the United Nations and make sure everybody's playing nice and there's an equal power dynamic. The, we can't really, we can't really do that, but in a hackathon we can, cause it's a controlled environment. But it once is, we yeah. get out that environment and, and the way you do it to me is perfect and it makes sense. It's just, when we get into the real world, it's like, how do we do that? You know, we had a politician, okay. You have political parties. Who's the third party, making sure all the political parties play nice and they, they manage oh, the exactly. power we, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a trouble I have with hackathon. It, it doesn't that the facilitation is perfect. It just I, I don't see how that works in, in real life, or I don't have no examples of where it works in real, real life.
0: It's, it. I think it might be, you know, I, I can't talk for real life application, but it is an ideal in that if you are a humanitarian going into these cases, or if you're even just a normal person working through life, you need to realise that maybe you need a mentor in your life to help you with different avenues so even just your day-to-day job it's like well you know i want some a mentor to help me with this thing um and in this case it would be um idea thinking so yeah you know innovative thinking so you get you find a mentor to do that so you you find people who are skilled in areas that you want to work on and that's what these mentors do and we're giving it to them on a platter and to your point like we can't yeah we would I would struggle if we had a few thousand people coming to this hackathon. Uh, I will plainly, I will fly that white flag in that da- at that day. But while we can, we feed them the idea that you need mentors in your life. And when you finish your university degree and you're out in the big wide world, then mentors have an important part to play in that. And and mentors come in all different shapes and sizes. So, um from that respect yeah i i the power play side of things oh, that's i'm not even going to open that pandora's box yeah. <laughs> honestly. um like who's watching the watches and who's keeping the keepers yeah. and things like that so but from uh and that's anyway we are we're kind of the disney of the humanitarian world in that you know th- these are real life problems we're talking with real humanitarians but I've got very strict, when we're creating the challenge statements, I've got very strict guidelines to the humanitarians who create these these themes and these statements. And I say to them, don't make it impossible. There is enough, there's going to be enough impossible things to deal with in life later on. I don't want them to have to come up with a, their solution does not have to revolve around talking to a, a political party and influencing them to make, you know, access to water, all right, make it more practical so that they can yeah. achieve something over the weekend. So, we're very strategic in even the the questions, the, the challenge statements that we create, because, you know, they're still, they're, they're, I feel so old whenever I say this, but they're young kids, <laughs> yeah. they're undergraduates, and they're going to be that 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, uh, that, you know, they may not have traveled so far, but they want to do well. And I want to encourage that mentality in the students. And if I throw them to the wolves on day one, that's not going to help anyone. So you need to ease them into the mindset of helping the wider society and they'll get to, they'll hopefully in 10, 15 years time, they'll get to a point where they are dealing with the big hairy problems of the world. But they'll realize they might reflect back, oh, I remember those days when the hardest thing we had to worry about was how do you rebuild a school after a cyclone yeah. uh, and things like that. And and they'll think about, oh, you know, we had all these mentors in place to help out. And so maybe that's what we need to bring, in, some more voices to help advise. And at the end of the day, collaboration is going to help. So learning how to deal with multiple Diverse teams, how to collaborate, how to lean on mentors, how to use knowledge, how to build solutions, and uh, work within teams and things. These are skill sets that they're going to use later on in life. But at the moment, we're not going to throw them out there.
1: And i I have two more questions. We we probably could talk forever about this. <laughs> I know I could. <laughs> <laughs> My, you you really made me think, especially with that the last comment. If you're under 18 really if you're university now very different to being in university 30 40 50 years ago and you're seeing the world's problems because of technology Mm -hmm. and you mentioned about not wanting to give them too much too soon and feeling they have to solve that and when i look at the internet today there's a lot of young people passionate about the world's issues Mm -hmm. at 16 17 18 and they want to solve the world's issues and what i see in your hackathon is you're gearing them up but without people going to your hackathon they think they can solve water scarcity or climate change by protesting which it does impact some things but this is you know like there's steps and there's there's skills you have to build that if you just listen to social media, maybe you don't. You think only social media outrage can do that. Do you think yeah. this? Do you think what you're doing with training, especially in the humanitarian space, training people, especially young people, especially students, to solve these problems, should be more at the forefront of the conversation? So whether it's, it's racial injustice there's nothing wrong with being a young activist. It's it's having, do you know the systems that are in place right now that cause these intra- injustices? Or, you know, refugees, do you actually know the systems in place that are causing this? And some things can be tackled with protest, while others, there's actually legal changes that have to happen that depend on other things. So... And this is me here speaking, uh,
0: but I believe change comes a little bit like death by a thousand cuts. So it is not going to be one, contrary to what Hollywood says, it is not one person solving <laughs> the, the, the the asteroid that's about to hit Earth, right? There are hundreds of people working different problems to get to that point. In the and so it's death by a thousand cuts. It's a lot of little things that gear up to be an avalanche. It's a lot of snowflakes coming together to make this massive change. And what this Humanitarian Innovation Hackathon is all about is inspiring those those students to start with. So inspiring and arming them a little bit in the awareness that they 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 already feel like they're quite important like they know that they're important they are the future but arming them in the awareness that they can make a change that this university degree that they're building on education is a, a powerful tool and it can be used for many different reasons but a lot of people as you said they want to make the change they want to see the change and by you know making a, a by having an example very early in their their career of how they can make a change. That will empower them to next time they can make another change. They can inspire change in others. It's going to be a lot of voices coming together, a lot of little whispers creating a roar. And this hackathon is all about inspiring that. And if we can run it for the seven years that we have the finance for, then that is going to be a lot of little voices out there thinking I can make a change and then suddenly an avalanche will happen. So they're all my little individual snowflakes, and they're all going to make a big change out in the world. And it has to, it's, as I said, its it's got to be a lot of little things coming together. And um, that's kind of where we're going with this. And I think that's what's happening. Like, so you've got one big voice out there every now and then, but that inspires so many other little voices to to come out. Greta, she was such a figurehead. She is such a figurehead. And she has inspired generation to come out and speak up. And that's what what's happening in society I'm seeing. So that they're not, you know, you mentioned social media, it's not the only solution. You know, there's a lot of avenues out there to make change and Uh, things will, things are happening. So the hackathon itself, we're not, as I said, I think at the very beginning, I'm not, it would be lovely, but I don't have the money. Like it, it, it would be great to create a solution for a problem that we present to the students. And as I said, we're open to that. And if any of our judges or humanitarians see that potential, then they'll jump on it. But at the end of the day, It's about empowering a generation giving them tools to make that change later on in life because every voice is, every snowflake's important.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. My last question is for really beginners. So I want you to talk a little bit about the hackathon, my camera going out again, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the hackathon that you have coming up and why should a beginner participate in the hackathon that you have coming up
0: well one of the stats i do know off the top of my head is something like 70 to 80 percent of our hackathon participants have never been in a hackathon before so it is very much catered towards a newbie And I'm going to just throw out there, it's a great way to come together and meet students from across Australia who are all passionate about it. So, they need to come in with open eyes. They need to come out with this this passion to connect. And it's not going to be easy because it is a geographically dispersed hackathon. So, they need to just clear the weekend of the 23rd of July and just embrace the experience and if they can do that they're going to have an incredible experience i can guarantee every every student that was participant just loved it and we we almost and the way that i've structured it is that we are accompanying experience in that we we give them guidance to work through the hackathon over the weekend. They're not going to be out there dangling on their own. They are going to be embraced within the, the, the environment of the hackathon and they'll get out what they want that, uh, so if they do commit to that weekend, they'll definitely get out something that will change their lives and, uh, yeah, just don't be afraid to go for it is what I would say.
1: I want to thank you for all your insights, it's, it, it might not seem like it for you, but this has been a very unique conversation in the hackathon space, even in the social impact related hackathon space. It's been very, very unique, very, very insightful. And I would actively encourage everyone to sign up for your hackathon. Can you um just mention your hackathon again? Where can they sign yeah. up?
0: So the Humanitarian Innovation Hackathon is taking place on the 23rd, 24th and 25th of July and sign up is through the uh, the Warren Centre at the University of Sydney. Uh, they have to be an undergrad student. They have to be registered at an Australian university. But otherwise, they can be any faculty. And yeah, they'll be able to find that uh, on the Faculty of Engineering at Sydney University. Just type in Humanitarian Innovation Hackathon. Um, I can't remember what the short link is right now. So that's so bad. Uh, I'll definitely
1: associate the link to wherever they're looking at this, either on YouTube or Spotify, Anchor, wherever they're watching this, the link will be associated. I would actively encourage anyone to participate, especially if you're interested in humanitarian causes. So I want to thank you again for for joining me in conversation.
0: It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dominic.